Welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night, live from Area 51. I am the Dome. In Manch Vegas, we have Illustrator X. Uh, there is no Manch Vegas. This is Manchester, New Hampshire, my friend. Home of uh, the Comics Vault. <laughs> Manch Vegas sounds vaguely dirty, just saying. Well, yeah, I know, but that works for me. Ah, well, and as long as it works for you. I think that's the important thing. And from our Boston bureau, Kriana... Hi-ho. Hello. And we have a special guest host with us tonight from Florida. We have Mike Hinman from Airlock Alpha. Hello, everybody. Good to have you back, Mike. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yes, indeed. For those of us who remember us from our Clear Channel days, Mike was a frequent guest, and we used to play Guess the Phony Item. (laughs) Almost as frequent Man, as Double true. Midnight, Chris and Quincy. That's right. <laughs> We're bringing them all back. <laughs> That's true. Actually, before we get started, and speaking of Double Midnight. Oh, uh, yes. Yes, tomorrow is uh, one of uh, Double Midnight's members, Brett. What's his name? Brett Parker. It's a milestone, it. isn't it? It is. Brett Parker, believe it or not, will be turning 100 years old tomorrow. <laughs> So, Brett, um, from all of us here at uh, Sci-Fi Saturday Night, you look damn good for your age. (laughs) We want to have you on next week to uh, tell the world how you live to be so old. And I have the walker. We'll be bringing it in for you. (laughs) Along with the oxygen tank. (laughs) Uh, Yes. And again, folks. Spry 78. Yes, you can wish Brett a happy birthday this week over at Double Midnight Comics and Collectibles here in, in lovely Manchester, New Hampshire. So right, having go on their website and say hi to them that way or go on their Twitter. That's true. And you the know, website is dmcomics.com. I was reading on their Twitter this afternoon that they had a munchkin demo going on at the store today. And I was so jealous because I totally wanted to be there. Munchkin is one of my favorite card games ever. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> have you never played Munchkin Dome? Never, ever. Well, we'll have to rectify that situation. It is tons of fun. Basically, it makes fun of role-playing games. Oh, cool. By I'm making in. it... All about winning instead of all about the story. <laughs> Absolutely. It's great. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. When, mm. when we go to uh, Boston Comic Con in uh, April, we should have a uh, Munchkin tournament. Yeah, we'll have to pick up a Absolutely. few sets. I'm sure there'll be uh, someone there selling it. Cool. Let's do it. Actually, they have them here, at Double here. Midnight, obviously. Several sets and the expansion packs. Yeah, those are fun. Okay. Some of those are fun, like the Steed packages. Okay, okay I'm done now, but they're really fun. <laughs> okay. I think this is like the best game ever invented. It is fast-paced, 
their cutthroat breaking and forming of alliances willy-nilly. It's wonderful. It is. Uh, all right, before we go down that road, though, we do have a full plate tonight. Um, uh, later on, we'll be interviewing uh, Derek Belanger, Ed Ludwigzin, and a mystery guest. Um, on it will their... only be revealed at that point. <laughs> so you need to stay tuned for this one because you're going to be shocked and surprised. <laughs> But uh, right now, we want to talk about the New England con, um, con scene. And uh, if any of you were followed up the Jump Con situation over the past year. Fiasco? Is that a uh, fair way to put it? Well, that's why we have Mike on the show again. Mike wrote up an article about this that was on uh, sci-fi.com site. And Mike, we were just hoping you could uh, elaborate further on what's been happening with JumpCon and why uh, Edward James Olmos wants to, quote, bring this bastard down, quote. <laughs> I mean, what's happening with JumpCon is more like what's not happening with that. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a mess. I mean, what was that, back in 08 when all that was going down? And, I mean, just all that crazy stuff where this guy was going to go and supposedly plan a bunch of conventions around the country and brought in all these big names, including Edward James Olmos and Mary McDonald. And, um, I mean, the list is extensive. But the sad part was that this is a guy who probably has $1,000 to his name. <laughs> and that was the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, a little bit hard to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and he his bankruptcy filing was for something like uh, I think his debts were somewhere around like ten million dollars or something like that. It was just crazy. Okay, now according to your article, um, JumpCon founder Shane Center is looking at fourteen years of probation along with four years of suspended jail time, along with nearly thirty four thousand dollars in restitution. How does someone go? from operating a con out of, I believe it was Portsmouth or Rochester, New Hampshire, to uh, getting into this nationwide fiasco here? Well, you know, I, I wasn't there for any of the hearings and such, you know, being geographically challenged um, in that regard. But um, from, what, from what I understand from some of the reports and stuff, it's that this guy really had it in his head that he could put together the type of conventions that um, you know, that would draw thousands and thousands of people across the country. And I guess didn't really um, appreciate the scope of that, you know, what it takes to put something like this <laughs> together and the kind of capital that it takes to put together. I mean, we've been banting about doing a convention for quite a long time, and um, but we never do it just because we start running the numbers and they start going into the high six digits just to get started. We're like, yeah, forget that. So um, apparently he thought he could do it on a disability check and, and uh, you know, if you plan it, they'll come and uh, basically took all these people's money, never refunded it. And uh, that kind of is what irks the law enforcement people. So, Well, he, he sold a whole bunch of uh, pre-con uh, passes, didn't he? Yeah. And that's I mean, that's how conventions normally work, though, is, I mean, obviously you want to try to get people to, uh, to, to do some pre-ordering of tickets. That way you kind of... Uh, more or less um, 
you know, be able to pay some of your early on stuff. But we've always warned people. We've always been a, a strong advocate of warning people about different conventions and being the first to report on uh, ones that might be bad, like the Slanted Fedora Convention or FedCon USA or some of those other jokes. And, uh, you know, and always <laughs> warn people that if you're not familiar with the convention, if it hasn't existed for a while, don't send them any money till you get there. Yeah, spend the extra yeah. five bucks to show up on the day. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, then you don't lose anything. But a lot right. of people, they, they want to secure their tickets, and they get these huge packages that they just think is valuable. But, I mean, conventions are really struggling right now. And, I mean, only the ones that are, are charging next to nothing, you know, that people are traveling out to um, are the ones that are, are successful. And the only ones that can really do that are, like, Comic-Con in San Diego and stuff like that. So... So speaking of Comic-Con, how, how is Boston Comic-Con doing now? I mean, they're moving their venue for April. Yeah, right. Uh, Boston Comic-Con, uh, as we know it right now, is doing fine. Uh, they've got some great guests lined up. I mean, they've got some mega names like Jim Lee lined up. Uh, the thing is... Garib she- uh, I believe it's Garib Seamus, uh, who runs Wizard Entertainment, has just publicly come out in the last few weeks as saying that he's going to move into the Boston scene specifically to challenge Boston Comic Con. Now, I don't know if anybody remembers the last Wizard World Boston Con. It was described as a disaster. I mean, I was there. I, did, I thought it went very well. However, apparently there were thousands less than they anticipated, and they ended up losing a lot of money. So I, since Wizard has been cutting its staff for the magazine, and the magazine itself has been floundering, I don't know what kind of challenge they are going to be putting up against Boston Comic Con. I mean, speaking from our own experience at the last Comic Con in what, September or October? Um, uh, that was November? October. That was October. October. Yeah. One of those months that was just around here. A yeah. blur. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, they were hectic. They were doing brisk business. It was, it was very well attended. It was very well received. It was very well planned. Mm. Uh, but they've definitely outgrown the venue. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. The venue was jammed. Absolutely jammed. And, uh, having all those little side rooms uh, while cozy was kind of uh, disconcerting to a lot of people. Right. Well, the new venue, which um, I, just, I, I don't have the address and I do apologize, but uh, I have been told it is all, like a one giant, almost like an airport hangar. It's a uh, one giant room. So there's going to be plenty of space for people to mill about and everything. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to that. In fact, uh, we will be working very closely with the Boston Comic-Con in 2010, and uh, you can expect to hear a lot of guests and announcements here at Sci-Fi Saturday Night as they are made available. In fact, uh, one of our old friends is going to be on. One of your old friends, Kriana. Yes. Is it a secret? or? or... No, you can Kriana, say it. Kriana has no friends. Everything. Oh, that was mean. I know. <laughs> that was totally uncalled for. I'm wounded. Oh, it's just so I could do my creepy laugh. Yeah, nicely oh, done. Okay, sci-fi Saturday night drinking game. Drinking game week. has begun. 
every time Illustrator X does his evil laugh. That's three. Drink. Uh, <laughs> yeah, get everybody ready for the halftime. If cut. you're of age, I, I think I have to put that out there. Yes, please. Only if you're of age. But in any case. Anyway, everything old is new again. We're having lots of guests that we had on on the you know, land-based terrestrial radio, you know, Mike, Double Midnight. Now, we're bringing back Chris Golden, one of my favorite authors. Yay! And Chris will be in attendance at uh, Comic-Con in April. He just yes. uh, dropped that on his website a couple of weeks ago. And it's just going to be a thrill and a joy to see him again. He's a wonderful human being and a, and a terrific, terrific writer. Mm. Yeah, for those of you who are not familiar with him, he's done a number of novels. Uh, in comics, he's very well known as the writer of a lot of the Buffy and Angel series. And he was uh, works very closely with Amber Benson, who was Tara on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. They've done some novels together. They did two novels together and did a radio series for the BBC. And she was also yes. our guest at one point on the terrestrial old-fashioned Radio. And we've got, to, we've got to get her back as well. I think uh, so. That was a great interview. Yeah, Kay uh, wasn't there for that one. I think I want to get her live in the studio, if you know what I mean. And, uh, there is no studio anymore. <laughs> that doesn't work. I think my office counts. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. If she has here, to come here. to any office, I think it should here, be mine. Here, here. So. Uh, well, getting back to the convention scene, uh, Mike, you had mentioned earlier that the, one of the only ones that seems to be doing well is San Diego. Um, do you really feel that uh, conventions are kind of centralizing? Because San Diego has a, roughly a quarter million, quarter million people every year. Do you think that that's basically it, where there's only going to be a few giant ones and the local ones will just suffer as a result? You know, it's it's that's really hard to tell. Um, I, I mean, San Diego Comic Con is a totally different animal from other conventions because you know normally your typical convention you got to pay to bring everybody in, and you know you get like two or three names at the most, and you got to pay a, you know a boatload of money to get them in. But I mean, San Diego Comic Con, the networks and the studios pretty much bring all the talent to you. You don't really have to do anything because it's a big promotional push for the studios and stuff. So, I mean, so that's a totally different animal. So they could charge like 10 bucks a day per person because really their costs are totally defrayed. I mean, they, they make a ton of money on this convention without really having to shell too much out, you know, as a capital expense or anything like that. But, right. you know, I, I, think, I think the problem with conventions, and, and I've said this, and I, and I never wanted to say this publicly because, you know, this is kind of the ideas that we've been banting about, you know, if we were ever to do a convention. But I think what's happening, especially with a weaker economy, is that people don't feel like they're, they're, they're getting a good value for their dollar when you go in. And, I mean, I, I, was, I was on, I was a guest at this one commercial convention um, that's here in Florida and it's up in Ohio and it just got recently sold again but they were basically bringing in Star Trek actors who haven't had a job in 10 years and yep. making them their, <laughs> their headline guests they couldn't figure out why nobody was showing up and then they would charge a premium to sit up really close but really if you're you know, you're still probably 30 feet away and you have to turn your head because you're down on one end or the other and they really weren't doing the things that, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I walked in and I said, man, I'm glad I'm not paying to be here. 
<laughs> you know, I'm glad they invited yeah. me to be here or otherwise I'd demand my money back because it's just, I mean, it's, it's just not that fascinating. It's not that interesting. And the guests really, you know, I was like, why are we here? And I'm just curious if yeah. you've ever had the experience where you've been invited to present something at the con and then been charged for actually getting in the door. Have I? <laughs> just, just curious. Yes. Has that ever happened to you? No, I mean, even... <laughs> I'm not really? naming any names here. No, I'm, I'm just but... quite curious as to whether that was a common practice. <laughs> no, because... I, I, I don't even think I paid for conventions <laughs> even before the website. I just always showed up to the little, like, you just show up at the bar, you know, after the, you know, like in the middle of the convention on a Saturday night, and you meet all the celebrities right there, and you buy them a beer, and you get all kinds of, you know, all kinds of stuff from them. So that's the right. way to do it. Yeah. What I'm getting worried about is the fact that um, sci-fi conventions, it seems to be natural to, uh, you pay to get in, you pay to get in the room where they're in, then you pay to be up front, like you said, then you pay for the autographs and so forth. And Whereas, then they'll only sign the one thing that they, you have to pay for for them to sign. Exactly. Whereas... Uh, I come from it being a comic book fan and comic book conventions. One of the joys of being a comic book fan is that you get to be very close and upfront with the creators. Um, it's almost unheard of to be charged money for someone's autograph. Now, I mean, Next, for example, let me, you, let me give you a really good example of that at, uh, at Boston comic con in uh, October. Yeah. You and I went to go see David Mack. Yes. And David Mack is doing a terrific series called Kabuki. And we talked right. about his new series coming up, which is uh, well, based he'll be, on... Yeah, he'll be adapting uh, Philip K. Dick's novels into graphic novels. And by the time we were done, he sat there and he had signed every single one of their books, every yeah. single one of his books, and just handed them to me. And said, yeah. here, give them away on the show. Thank wow. you. Yeah, we do have a ton of his stuff that we could give away. Yes, well, Someday again, in the future. Well, <laughs> again, and we are working on our Philip K. Dick theme episode in early 2010, so listeners, stay tuned for that. But, uh, yeah, and not only that, also at the same show uh, was Tim Sale. Now, Tim Sale, comic book people know him as the artist for uh, Batman Long Halloween, a number of Marvel projects, uh, but uh, mainstream fans know him as, on the TV show Heroes, he's the guy who did all the artwork that the artist oh, yeah, was yeah. painting. Now, if you tried to meet the, the cast of Heroes, you'd get charged an arm and a leg. We walked right up to Tim Sale, shook his hand, told him, you know, we, we had a nice long talk with him, got these autographs for free, and went on our way, and I just felt great about the whole experience. So I'm wondering, though, where we're starting to blur the line now, especially at San Diego, where it's becoming, comics are becoming more and more forced out. Are we going to start seeing, like, admission and special charges be the norm. Uh, again, like you said, uh, San Diego can, is a different beast because the, the networks and the movie studios are sponsoring a lot. 
Well, I just don't think I don't think the model I don't think the model that we've been seeing at conventions like where I, because the thing is is that you wanna you wanna have people come in just like if you have a store or if you have a restaurant or like if you're on a cruise or something and where you you want people to, to spend money but not realize that they're spending money where you want them to feel like that that they're spending money and they're getting something back for it and I think what's happening is that conventions have kind of lost sight of that where. They just feel like, oh well, these fans they'll pay they'll pay money for all of this stuff. They'll pay seventy five dollars for an autograph. They'll pay this and that. Where maybe when times and economic times were good and people were getting equity on their houses and everything else to get <laughs> right. the autographs, you know, yeah, maybe they're going to get that. But I think I think what's going to happen is that we're going to find that this that this convention model at least is going to transform in some way or another. And like I said, yeah. if I could get the capital behind me, I would start it right away because I have a model in mind that where, I mean, where, yeah, guess what? You don't have to pay out all these different fees, but there is premiums for doing things, but it's premiums that you get a value for your buck where like if mm -hmm. you, if you get a seat up close to the talent, that you're, you know, that it's really worth it. You're really up there, and there's really something out of it rather than just being five feet away. And then we're also where the talent's accessible because I think that these conventions just want to put all these barriers up where, um, you know, I know a lot of actors and a lot of writers and such who don't want those barriers. My very first convention I ever went to was in 1996 in Orlando, and I went there with my dad. And we were big Star Trek Voyager fans. Don't ask me why. I, was, I think I was on drugs. But but Kate Mulgrew was there. And hey, she's so, hot. She was. You know, and it was great. I wanted to go see her. And my dad loves, you know, Star Trek. So he wanted yeah. to go see her. And, you know, he's really old. And who knew if he would live past that and everything else. I'm just kidding. He's not that old. But he... <laughs> <laughs> like Brett. Like Brett <laughs> Booker. <laughs> but... He sat there. Kate Mulgrew sat there, and, and, and they made it clear that she was only going to sign a certain number of autographs. You had to stay 15 feet away from her and everything else. And she grabbed the microphone and was like, no, no, no. Take those barriers down. Let the people come up and talk to me. I want to sign every single picture this year. Anybody who comes up to me and wants something to sign, I'm going to do it. She sat there for two hours signing 2,000 different pieces. And I mean, and that's what, I think that's what stars want, and that's what these writers want. That's what, they want that interaction. If they're going to show up at these conventions, they want to have a chance to interact with fans. And I, I think that you're going to start seeing this commercialization, you know, of these conventions at least go on the wayside. I mean, they have to make money, but at the same time, they want to still be a convention. They still want to have the spirit of what it's supposed to be. Yeah. There's a, um, there's a, a, a convention called the Rock and Shock uh, Convention in Worcester, Mass. Every year, it's a horror show, and they have an interesting model where there's a separate area for dealers, and then there's a separate area for the stars. And you can walk right up and talk to the stars, and that's fine. But if you want something signed, it's twenty dollars per autograph. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's not actually an old concept. That's actually been around. There's, I think, it's a yeah. single group that kind of does those. And they're, they're actually interesting. They have one in Orlando called the called FX. I don't know if they've done it in the last couple of years, though. But basically, yeah, you could go up and you could, you know, you could stand in line and wait to talk to somebody. They bring in some big names. And, yeah. and really, if you just want to walk away with a picture or walk away with something, they, it costs you a little bit. But, you know, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. At least you still have a chance to say a few words. Uh, I know Nathan Fillion was at this last one I went to a couple of years ago. And, you know, and people stood in his line for two hours just to go up there and just to give him a hug. 
And that's all they wanted. And, <laughs> I know? went after that Halloween episode of Castle. I want to give him a hug. <laughs> yeah, that was a that great was ridiculous. You know, some people slipped him his their phone number and other things. So I don't know what's going on, but hey, now. <laughs> Good idea. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's interesting. Now, uh, Mike, you keep saying that we keep looking into doing conventions. By we, do you mean Airlock Alpha or we, the Sci-Fi Network? Oh, I'm not associated with the Sci-Fi Network. So, uh, you know, it would be more, oh. when I say we, I mean more like, um, you know, the company that runs Airlock Alpha and everything else. And when I say company, I really mean me. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because I saw, I, I, I saw your article this week was on Sci-Fi.com. So I didn't oh, know. The S- oh, SYFY.com? Yeah, yeah, the annoyingly spelled one, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, I mean. Yeah, some people, and, and, and I still have to clear that confusion. There's a lot of people who think we're still, you know, that we're associated with them just because I developed a name for it. But, uh, you know, but no, we're totally separate from them. So whatever they do, you know, if they mention us, great. You know, I say, please do it more often. But, you know, but that's all the control that we really have. So. Ah, okay. So now. <laughs> no, I mean, because, I mean, well, that was the, that whole controversy over the name and everything was just, that was really taxing on us. So. Um, you know, because we had to change our name and, you know, we had to deal with some of the fallout because, uh, you know, people make fun of the name and stuff. But it's like, well, you know, I can understand where they're coming from, but I still kind of take it a little bit personally because I came up with the name. So, you know, it's almost like, you know, people say only a moron could come up with that name. It's like, wait, I'm not moron. <laughs> so leave me alone. Oh, I am so red right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, for those who are keeping score, another drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already drunk, don't worry. My God. Well, I mean, I mean, honestly, with the Sci Fi Channel's motivation, which I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, was just to have a name that they could trademark. Yes. It's not horrible. Yeah, I mean, where else are you going to really go? Hey, did uh, did Harlan Ellison give you any flack about that? Because I remember when the Sci-Fi Network went live, he was just ranting about it should be science fiction, not sci-fi. That's a terrible term. What is Harlan Ellison not ranting about? <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, His breakfast? I mean, I swear, no. I, I, no, I, I swear to God, that guy complains about everything. I mean, I actually got an email from him once complaining about something, and I'm like, come on. You know, I don't. I don't care. No, 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 no. You made it when you get an email from him well, complaining yeah. about something. Harlan been, Ellison, like, um, if you're out there, some someday listening, please send us an angry email. We'll feel really yeah, good about ourselves. About wow. Yeah. Yeah. People, you know, I think that you don't see a lot of them complaining too. I mean, it was funny. Um, like two years ago, I can't remember what it was. We had we were reporting something, and I can't remember what it was about J.K. Rowling and her lawyers from England actually contacted me, like with their their like an email form of a cease and desist, and said that they were going to sue me. And I'm like, and I emailed back, like, please sue me. I mean, do you know what that would do for my numbers? i'm like i have lawyers who'll take on the case just for the fun of it just to get the notoriety so please i beg you sue me (laughs) you know i never heard from them again so uh they kind of figured out that they were gonna scare me off but (laughs) too bad yeah i wish somebody would sue us and uh sorry i don't have that kind of money yeah i was gonna say we can't afford to (laughs) 
really glad nobody sued sued us lately. So yeah, yeah. yeah. If anyone out there is wondering, we're all broke from buying buttons that we give away at cons. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I hear that J.K. Rowling is going to marry Harlan Ellison. <laughs> oh, now we're going to get like a- that's you know or. Or will they? There's the disclaimer. Okay. okay. Yeah, or okay. Will Otherwise, they? that was slander. It's probably still slander in the UK. I mean, their their laws are like seriously screwed there. Yeah, but as long as you're not there, it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> what are they gonna do? That's what my first wife used to say, but not anymore. <laughs> so, so I hear Harlan Ellison's gonna write a new Star Trek script, uh, City on the Edge of Nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> or will he? He is like, you know, he's like the most sue-happy person. And, and people say I, I shouldn't be so mean to this guy because I've never met him. I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to meet him. And, you know, I read, I read that ranting and raving book that it was about the city on the edge of forever that had a script in there yeah. and stuff. And I don't know. I'm glad I got it at the library. didn't actually buy it because I would have felt guilty spending the money. Um, but, I mean, like, <laughs> he, he'll go off on a footnote on the bottom of the page on a rant. Which is like yep. longer than the page itself. Yep. And I mean, there's like two, like three lines of real text, and then like 50 lines of, of footnote ranting. And I'm like, oh my god, is this is this guy focused at all? No wonder why they re, you know, they edited this episode. I would have too. Yeah, it's funny so, too because when uh, Gene Cavellos, uh, who was our original, uh, one of our original co-hosts, uh, hi, was Gene. on. <laughs> hi, Gene. If you're listening. Hey. The one thing she, she did doesn't. say was, please, I won't be here if we, we want to get him on. I just can't do it. I won't be here. <laughs> and I mean, you I, know, Gene has written a number of books and evidently has corresponded with him repeatedly. And I can't say it's a blamer. Yeah, you would uh, never get a word in. You would never, ever get a word in. And I mean, even on my old, radio, on my old online radio show, we, we actually were thinking about bringing him on. And I'm like, no way. You know, I told, oh, come I told on. the booking producer, no way. And I mean, they already would put me up with like um, I, some of the guests that they stuck me with, which is why I started doing it myself. But, uh, you know, I mean, I had like ghost people and I don't believe in ghosts. so It doesn't work out too well. And then I had this end of the world nut and um, and we ended up having a big argument on the air, which uh, turned out really cool. Actually, it was some good radio there. Oh, yeah. But I mean, just <laughs> but yeah, Harley, you wouldn't even get a word in. Uh, you never, see, you never be able to break in. See, you Mike, take you should have been here but, for our episode with the Granite State Skeptics when they did their ghost hunting debunking mission. Oh, see, I would have loved that. It was excellent. <laughs> and then they then they came on the next week to share with us their results. It was great. Proving that ghosts are fake. Well, well, yes, they were like, well, there were these shadowy figures seen in the window, and then we realized that the room was filled with mannequins. <laughs> well, that explains a, it now, doesn't it? <laughs> and a chipmunk with a flashlight strapped to his head. I know. Well, the only one we couldn't explain was this one old guy who, you know, purported to have talked to the original owner. Well, everybody thinks that just because we're in a science fiction that we must be into all of the crap that goes with it. And, you know, it's including ghosts and, and things like that. I'm like, I, I, I don't like, I don't believe in ghosts at all. I don't believe in any of that crap. And, you know, and any if I hear one more end of the world, you know, forecast for 2012, I'm going to jump. <laughs> oh, that is just ridiculous. There's oh. 
Yeah, I'm not even going to go you. into it because it's too stupid to even address. Oh, but. Well, no, see, <laughs> see, no, the Mayans were right. The disaster happened. Roland Emmerich's 2012 wow. is a terrible <laughs> disaster. <laughs> and they the tried to warn us. That's, that's the definition <laughs> of a self-fulfilling prophecy, I believe, though. Yeah. And well, we're, yeah, talking, about? We're, we're talking here with our, our special guest host tonight, Michael Hinman from Airlock Alpha. You're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. It is halfway through the show, guys. Guys, guys. I just guys. Wanted, we have a milestone right now. We have ten concurrent listeners. I don't know Rock how many on. of those are actually like our guests and stuff, but cool. <laughs> like, Hello to all a the record people for in the us. Talk show room. No, nice. just the one. Mm. I talk Anyways, show. hi, you stream. Well, thank you. <laughs> we, right. we did have, you know what, I'm going to shout out because we had a registration on our website during the first half of the show. Hi, Nana Ellen. <laughs> Thanks for registering. We hope to hear from you soon. That's awesome. Yeah, I thought so. I wonder who that could be. I have no idea. Do you know? Uh, no. Are you, are you joking? <laughs> Do you know who it is? Huh? No, no. Is it your mom? <laughs> <laughs> no, because my mom isn't named Nana. So. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> mom is named Mom. Now just leave it at that. <laughs> wow. There you go. I see. I see. We've degenerated again. Shall we do the Watch trivia out. question? Well, or should we bring in our, well, our guests first? Well, I wouldn't wait before we do that. Since we're giving shouts out to listeners, um, I think we should give a shout out to a very loyal listener of ours, Mark. Crano, uh, what's his last name? I don't remember. Mark, what is your last name? We love you. You are like the best listener. You always call in. You help us out. You are. Always our... make comments. You're awesome. We love. You're so oh, wonderful. Oh, he they says don't know just your last Mark. Name. It's just Mark. Just Mark. Just Mark? Well, you're just wonderful. Two Thank you very much. Two-time trivia winner. Yes, indeed. Congrats. Can they be a third in a row? Okay, so row. now it's, we're coming along to the second half. Uh, we have some very special guests in the audience. Super special guests. Hang on, let me bring them in here. Three. Th wait, three? Three. Are you including Mike? No. Oh. Oh, right. no, because we have a very special reveal. Wink, wink, on. nudge, nudge. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't see the wink over the radio, so, you know. And we got but, Derek uh, and Ed. Hey. Yes. Hello, Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Hello. Hey, Ed. Hey, Derek. Hey, how's it going? Hey. <laughs> now, Illustrator X, do you have something you would like to tell us? Uh, I'm madly in love with you. But besides that, um, yes, I'm going to just happen to step out of the room here and get the other guest. Hold on. I, I hear this other guest has an evil laugh. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Brian Belanger. Hi. I'm excited to be here on Sci-Fi Saturday Night with my co-creators, Derek Belanger and Ed Ludvigsen. Now, you've never been on Sci-Fi Saturday Night before. Is that true? That is not true. I was originally, <laughs> back in the day when you guys were on Clear Channel, I was interviewed for a comic I did called 23 Skidoo. But you not yet been on the podcast form. Of course not. How would that have ever happened? <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you terribly confused by what's going on, Illustrator X has just come out of a closet. Mm. Hi, everyone. Yes, this is the, this is where I take advantage of the show to plug <laughs> the greatest animated science fiction film of all time, Skullduggery. Which you can find at... Witchesvsvampires.com. That's witchesvsvampires.com. Six uh, minutes of viewing pleasure. Yes, indeed. No, in all seriousness, this is a, uh, a sci-fi project that the three of us have been working on for some time now, and the first webisode has just hit the, uh, the air, and we're already getting great response from it, and so we just wanted to talk about it. So please grill us with your investigative journalism. Okay, let's start out with, uh, Ryan, what do you do? Derek, what do you do? And Ed, what do you do? But one at a time. But yeah, let's start <laughs> off with you, Brian. Okay, well, I am the artist. I draw this and I, I came up with the original concept. You want to tell us what the original concept is for those of us who don't know, not including uh, myself? Yes. Uh, I basically, the, the concept is. Take the old classic movie monsters, the traditional characters, the vampire, the werewolf, and so forth, and put them in space. Now I'm going to ask the question on everyone's mind it. here. Will there be mummies? Uh, well, I'm going to turn that over to the writer. There will be, eventually. Awesome. Um, you know, it just it just depends. We're still working on. We've got a creature from the Black Lagoon character coming up eventually. Um, it just depends on on how quickly we get everything going. We, I've already written the first about twelve issues, and the six minutes you see is about half of the first issue. So we've got quite a ways to go before we really um, see everything that we've already got down the pipeline here. Okay, now Brian, Derek. Uh... 30 years ago, I watched somebody do an interview, and I've always wanted to ask this question. How long have you two been brothers? <laughs> oh, well. Actually, Mom adopted me last year. Ah. That explains it. That explains the new person who logged into the website. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. And, Ed, how did you get involved in this project? Um, well, actually, about three years ago, um, I've known Brian and Derek for many years now, and uh, about three years ago, Brian and Derek gave me a ring, and they they were at they explaining the idea of at the time was you know mainly a comic or a graphic novel, and they were really interested in trying to blow it out into some sort of animated piece, um, and that's largely my background. And um, we first started, we weren't sure how it was going to go. And so we started off um, with the idea of, all right, let's make some sort of a trailer for this thing. Some sort of a, you know, some sort of a sizzle reel that will at least get the spirit of the whole project across. And we'll kind of maybe start to establish a little bit of the look and feel and the color palette and all those good things. And um, so we did that. And um, I think it's temporarily down on the site, but you can actually, you can find it pretty easily on YouTube and on Vimeo, uh, the original trailer, which is just a couple minutes long. Um, and from there, we had a really interesting meeting. Brian, Brian and I, were, we went to the 
2008 Comic-Con in New York. And um, our goal was to just sort of meet some people, shake some hands, start to spread the name of the show around a little bit. And uh, we wound up meeting um, a really interesting fellow who used to be at, he has a really long, fabulous resume. He used to be at Hanna-Barbera, and he was one of the first people at MTV. And he, and he kind of really gave us some interesting food for thought. And he said, look, um, I could look at the trailer, I could look at the script, I could do this and that, but in the end it doesn't really matter because what really matters is the audience that ultimately you're going to find. So if you have the means to do it, um, go out and try to make an episode. Go and make what it is that, that you envision. So uh, we, could, we took him at his word, and we did exactly that. And that was about a year and a half ago. So for yeah. the last year and a half, we've been building, we've been doing this episode. And that's kind of that's kind of where we are. Uh, my role is as director and as animator. I'm also the voice of the of one of the characters, the character of Cheney, who turns into a werewolf, and um, that's kind of where we're at right now. It, it it was sort of a weird process because we weren't we weren't sure what the episode was going to be. Derek had written a really great script for uh, it was about you know about twenty to thirty page script because our format we were going to go for a half hour format and. Um, we started with just a scene. Let's pick a scene where there's a lot of action. You get to see a lot of a lot of characterization, kind of really quick, and uh, that that's sort of what the episode is. And ultimately, we're like, well, you know, it's starting to feel kind of like a little bit of a webisode. So we found some logical points to start it and stop it, and um, and that's kind of that's where it's at right now. So I think it's at that point in the episode where we generally. Do our trivia question slash giveaway. Yeah, that that sounds like a thing. And and I think the giveaway that we have today is uh, 23 Skidoo, the original comics signed by both Brian and Derek. Um, well, yes, except Derek's would be an invisible ink then. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, just, just Brian. Just Brian. Yes. But... He, BBDB Production. I like that production company. So, Brian, do you want to announce the question? Uh, yes. Uh, this would be in relation to Skullduggery. In, the, in our uh, first episode, we get to meet the good guy crew who are known as Patchwork. Who is the leader of Patchwork? Okay, and as we talk, that should probably be being posted up on our website. It is up now, and the way to answer this is by leaving a comment on the post that's entitled Trivia for 11-28-2009. There's a picture of the two 23-skidoo um, covers and a copy of the question, as well as a link to witchesversusvampires.com. And that's where you'll be able to find the answer to the trivia question. Yep. You watch the episode and... Uh, and also, if you're not the first one to, with the correct answer, and you'd like to make a comment about how much you just absolutely loved Witches vs. Vampires. <laughs> <laughs> wow, also, optimist. I will say, I will say, we, we have several more issues of 23 Skidoo to give away. So if we get ten comments on this post, we will pick another comment at random and, and give them another set. How about that? Pick another couple of comments. How's that? So you have a like a oh, three how, in how, ten how generous chance. you are with my free comics. <laughs> That's right. right. 
<laughs> Tell you what, though, the person who wins, since I can't sign it, since I'm half a country away from Brian, I will write, I'll handwrite you a thank you and congratulations letter. So you will get my signature as well as Brian's. You can you frame go. it, put it on your Rock wall. On. Derek, Derek. Could, could you draw something on it, too, so they have some original artwork of yours? I'll, I'll get my daughter. We'll do a code. <laughs> your three-year-old daughter. There'll be a stick figure. <laughs> That'll be a monkey. Man. Whatever. We'll you could write them an original haiku or something. Yeah. There we go. Uh, hey, I, getting back to the story, I... One thing is, I mean, yes, we're having a lot of fun with the whole concept of basically just monsters fighting each other in space, but, um, you know, I, I asked Derek, Derek, I asked you to do a Bible for the story and do some background. You got it, yeah. I, uh, folks, my brother here sent this treatise that would make Tolkien proud. Wow. The, which vampire wars... And when does it start? Four trillion years ago? No, you're going you're going a bit farther back. It starts it starts about four thousand years. No, about two between two and four thousand years before um, the actual series. And what I want to do is give enough background so that when we start playing around in the universe, we have different areas we can go to. We could do a prequel if we wanted to. We could, um, you know, if if one of the characters was to mention the history, we've got it laid out. So that was my thought. Uh, it did go, it took me a bit longer than I thought. I thought it'd be a little five page thing. It was, you know, 25 single space pages, but we have it all laid out now. Well, hey, I think that's one of um, that, that was one of the things that's so interesting in working on this particular project is that from a visual standpoint, not a surface level, uh, you know, we always talked about we we're always going for that look of kind of a having this to be something of a throwback to Hanna Barbera cartoons from the '60s and '70s, and yeah. you know, using getting a lot of you know the original Space Ghost cartoons and Scooby Doo and all, all that kind of stuff as a little bit of a visual inspiration. Yet at the same time, Derek has written this really vast um, backstory and history behind the whole show. And it just makes it—it it just makes it that much more of an interesting project to work on because it's just—it's that—it's that much richer. In oh yeah. So vampires must do pretty well in space. I mean, they don't have to breathe. They may get a little freeze dried, but do they generally need spacesuits? Probably not. Well, they don't float around in space. <laughs> It'd be cool if they did, though. They'd be all like—they'd be cool. I mean, except for the lack of blood. And, and the fact that if they're out floating around, the sun's going to be right there directly on them. Oh, that's true. Well, how do vampires do with stars? They're like, I mean, they're in space, so stars are all well, kind of like suns. How, how does that work? Well they're, well, they're very far away suns. <laughs> It'd be like if a vampire was out on a starry night on Earth. I mean, I think that poses actually a really interesting question for the overall uh, physical reality of the show. Is uh, the danger of sunlight something unique to the star that is in our solar system, or is it something that is repeated within with various stars throughout the galaxy? Just yeah, a I was... reminder, you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We are talking with Derek Belanger, Ed, Ed uh, let me see, Ludvigsen? Aha, did I get that right, Ed? Yeah, it's close enough. <laughs> Brian, you lied to me. And uh, Brian Belanger, formerly known as Illustrator X. And um, we're talking about witches versus vampires. 
Dot com. Dot com. <laughs> dot com. <laughs> Sorry. <Yes. laughs> it's a reflex. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the series is, is called Skullduggery, but uh, I guess there's already a Skullduggery.com and .net and .whatever, so I just figured, hey, everyone will remember witchesversusvampires.com, and that'll tell them what the series is about. And when you're rich and famous, you can buy whoever that is out. This is true. Oh, yes. It will happen. Anyway, to go, to go back to the conversation, it could also be that vampires are only sensitive to our specific type of star, so if they were orbiting, say, a red dwarf, maybe mm. they wouldn't care. Well, it, it's one of the plots, devices in it, is that Kane, the head villain, wants to create an army of sunlight-resistant vampires. So, um, technically, my thought would be that any sun would be an issue. Now, we haven't really thought about dwarf stars and, and different things like that. We definitely could play with that in the future. Um, but the vampire in this series is a very different kind of villain since he's the richest being in the entire universe. Well, well give us a synopsis on, on the series for our listeners. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I, the best way to get a synopsis, obviously, is to go to www.witchesversusvampires.com to check out the actual episode and see what we've got there. But, you know, in, in like, the, you know, the Twitter version, um, it's about a group of freedom fighters fighting off vampires who are believed to actually be the good guys. Um, Kane runs the largest business in the universe, and it's considered a good business. It, it works well with the other governments, and everything's fine. But in reality, what he wants to do is take over the universe, and um, he's got his team of vampires. Uh, he's got his group called the Fang, which is kind of the evil terrorist group, um, fighting um, Skullduggery and Patchwork, who are the groups that are trying to stop the vampires and save the universe. Was that, was that a good tweet? <laughs> yep. That there's works a, for me. There's a, big, there's a big theme of corporate malfeasance within the cartoon. Having said that, corporate sponsorship would be welcome. <laughs> yes, we love you, corporations. <laughs> oh, God, we're in such trouble here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I figured. For those of you just tuning in, yeah, those of you just tuning in, J.K. Rowling is going to marry Harlan Ellison, <laughs> or will she? Or Nobody's will... just tuning in, though. Don't kid yourself. Um... <laughs> uh, yeah, but... I'm pessimistic. Comfortable silence reason. descends. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'm just pessimistic because I have the numbers right in front of me the whole time. It's really depressing mm. sometimes. Uh. So, Ed, when are we going to see some more episodes of, of uh, WitchesVersusVampires.com? Oh, I think it's hard to say at the moment. I think um, one, of the, one of the big parts of producing this show has been a real collective uh, series of learning curves that we've all had to get over with. Uh, I, come, I have a large post-production animation background. This is the first time I've done a lot of real 2D character animation. And um, I think for Brian, this is the first time he was producing illustration that was going to be part of uh, animated picture. So we spent a lot of time getting over that. And what we need to do for our next episode is I think we need to go back to the drawing board just a little bit and talk about workflow. And hopefully that way we can get into the next episodes fairly quickly and um, maybe even ideally find some bright young Turks to bring on board who want to get involved and uh, help us produce some of the work. 
So uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, you know, hopefully in the early part of 2010, we'll start to see some more material. And, um, and of course, a lot of that, I think, is going to hinge on hopefully we'll be finding a little bit of a, of a larger audience and, um, and begin to really spark some interest out there with the concept and with the show. Do you, yeah. do you generally envision this as staying as a web series or moving upward from there? No, ideally, I think what we would all really love to have happen is that it be the kind of thing that does capture an audience, it does capture the imagination, and so hopefully someone who has the power to make a decision with regards to uh, sponsored distribution could come along and say, you know, we think that would really be great at, you know, the the web the web property version of our network and we'd yeah. love to we'd love to write you a check for 13 5 minute episodes or we'd love to go to broadcast and do a season 1 and so here's you know here's a package deal to produce 13 episodes for broadcast we'd love to see something like that happen i think yeah, that's not really that far fetched like... either big pardon I was just going to say, that's not really that far-fetched at all, because, um, I mean, there's that show that's coming out on Sci-Fi here uh, in the next couple of weeks, and the name of it is escaping me, but that was started as a web series that somebody just did in their basement. Oh, yeah, now yeah, it's on yeah. A network. So I think that's actually a very plausible, I mean, very plausible route, a very exciting one. Yeah, I think, yeah. you know, it's something I've really, I personally have really been keeping tabs on for over the past, uh, probably about past year and a half, two years, and um, one of the concurrent projects is uh, my wife and I are starting our own, we're, we're in the midst of building our own production company, and one of our first projects alongside producing Skullduggery, my wife is also the voice of Lydia, and she's a producer on Skullduggery, uh, we're also going to be producing an alternate reality game that we're hopefully will be releasing the first phase of in the next month or so. And it'll, there's going to be a number of web destinations that will be telling sort of a mystery story. There'll be um, some short web films to go along with it. And what we're hoping, it's sort of a similar goal with Skullduggery. And at the time, I, I think the time is really ripe in order to, if you can independently, independently produce some really good quality content, there's a serious market out there for it. And uh, there are some major web series going on right now um, that, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if a brand name of some sort or a network, if the AMCs of the world or the NBCs of the world were to swoop in and at least begin to provide some sponsorship and get some distribution going online. I think things yeah. are really going to head that way more and more. Uh, I, I got to say, no matter what the future of Skullduggery is, um, this has been a dream project uh, because not only am I working with, you know, very talented friends and family here, but more importantly, this is a joy for me to draw. I really love the story I'm working on, and it appeals to just about everyone. I mean, some of our biggest fans have been surprisingly... Uh, barely able to walk oh yeah my one-year-old daughter just demands to watch it over and over and over <laughs> it's really it's really kind of far out derek what about Rhea? yeah Rhea loves it too you know and she's three and she just thought it was fun you know a lot of fun so hopefully if we're getting that young, <laughs> we'll get them older too <laughs> but i'm also getting some great feedback um now that this has been up for a while and uh you know adults um parents and so forth it's it almost reminds me of when the, the teenage mutant ninja turtles really first hit it's like wow this is really appealing to everyone so 
All I know is I'm going to keep at it as long as I can because I'm just having a great time. All right, guys, we have a winner. We do. Guess who it is? It's our buddy. It's Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Who once again went to your website, watched the trailer, watched the six-minute clip, and said, is it Patch? Yes, it is. We've got to hire him. Yeah, I think we do. (laughs) Uh, wouldn't that disqualify him, though? Well, yeah, I, that's the whole point. I, I no. don't think so. Uh, no, I, I think he'd still qualify. Uh, that's fine. Wow, thank you very much, Mark. Uh, let us know what you thought. By all means, uh, write in and uh, send us an email at uh, info at witchesversusvampires.com. Or you can just IM me. <laughs> or everybody listening can just IM Kriana. Go for it. <laughs> Uh, trouble now, kiddo. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so in any case, I also wanted to point out that um, in the next few weeks, uh, I will be selling my the artwork that I use to create the, uh, the series at, <laughs> seren- at serendipityartsales.net. Unbelievable. Okay, so, so Mark's opinion of the show, he watched the whole thing. Yes. And I'm quoting him verbatim. <laughs> he says, don't repeat it, but I'm going to because it was so funny. He says, it was surprisingly good. <laughs> oh, thank you. We are, surprising, we are surprisingly grateful for that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, no, you know what? That's really not a bad comment. Yeah. Because, you know, Ted Sturgeon's th- uh, third law of life is 90% of everything is shit. And, uh, oh, and we just lost the G-rated crowd. <laughs> you know no, what? That's very true. That's very true. You know, I, I think this I've shown it to a few people. I've shown it to you know, many people now. And, and that is sort of in a very positive way. It sounds like a backhanded compliment, but in a very positive way. It's always been like, oh my God, that looks really, that look, it looks and looks and feels like a cartoon. Yeah, guys, exactly. are yeah, and you know this isn't some schlocky thing animated in Flash, and you know it's you know not doesn't doesn't look legit, and and I think that's been that's been that is a very nice in a way very nice compliment to get. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. So, so we would encourage all our listeners to head over to Witches versus Vampires and check it out. We would encourage you to leave your comments here on our site and possibly win a copy of 23 Skidoo. We would encourage you to not send in money to cons that you don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly lose your hard-earned money. We'd encourage you to check out Airlock Alpha, which is uh, run by our good friend Mike Hinman. Mike? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Uh-oh. Whoa. Wow, that got weird all of a sudden. <laughs> Sounded like a Dalek. I was going to say. <laughs> Mike Zavros Tinman. Yeah. I didn't know whether I was going to share or whatever. Oh, sorry. Wow. Whoa, I don't know what happened. Something's wrong there. There we go. Whatever it is, it's better now, hopefully. Oh, is that still me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And Lori Anderson is on the line. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, and with that note, which I think was a C flat, 
we're going to head on out of here for tonight. Thanks for listening to Saturday, November 28th, 2009 edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Maria 51, I am the Dome. I am Illustrator X. And I guess I'm still Kriana. <laughs> and we're keeping it sci-fi. So stay with us, stick with us, and uh, thanks for playing the game, kids. Have a good night. Bye.